Welcome to Tabletop Game Talk, On Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. I'm Kitty. And I'm Chris. Today we're talking about the pros and cons of playing a small number of games a lot of times, or a lot of games a small number of times. This may sound like a cult of the new versus cult of the old debate, but that's not really what we're going for here. What we're trying to do is get to the underlying reason why you might prefer one over the other, and how often does that preference change, and why? But first, as always, a thank you to our Patreon friends of the show, Adam Harrison and the SGC, and a huge thank you to all of our other patrons as well. Okay, Tomorrow is the last day to our memories contest, memorable moments contest, moments in gaming you want to tell us about contest. So you have until midnight tomorrow, and that is Wednesday, September 18th, to send us your story. And that's midnight, whatever your local midnight is, because I'm not going to check it until Thursday morning anyway. And then we will pick a winner and we will announce it next Tuesday. And I will be on a cruise ship next Tuesday. So you will send me in saying, hey, I won, and I will ignore you for a week, but I will get back to you as soon as I get back to the mainland, assuming I dodge all the hurricanes. Is that a good Where are you going on a cruise? <laughs> I am going eastern Bahamas, I think. Probably, I'm, I'm guessing the itinerary has changed a little bit. You don't know where you're bit. going? <laughs> no, we're not going to get off the ship, actually. We are going with two friends, and we are both bringing board games, and we just plan on being on the ship with our drink packages and our board games the entire time. Does not matter where the ship goes, as long as they keep giving us food and beverages and gaming space, we will be happy and content. And we're leaving our child with my mother, so that'll be fine, too. I'm sure it'll work out. That's good. <laughs> she was a mom before that, so I think <laughs> she, she knows what she's doing. <laughs> she will be fine. I'm more concerned. Actually, I'm not really concerned at all, but she just got in today. So I'm like, okay, and here's the schedule, and this is how we do this, and this is how we do this. And when I'm not here, do whatever you want, because I won't be here. <laughs> do whatever works. Yeah. If you want them to fall asleep in your arms, that's fine. Just understand you can't move for 13 hours. yeah speaking of falling asleep player three is transitioning to a big boy bed because he is a daredevil child who escapes his crib as we previously discussed and uh yeah i'm just sitting here watching him on the camera like slowly squirming his way out so this is fun (laughs) it'll be fine i mean what's the worst that can happen bounces off you fall out of your bed but (laughs) Every kid does that a couple of times. Yeah, this one is actually really nice. It's got like a built-in rail, but he does seem to be, you know, squirming towards the one part that doesn't have a rail. But he's going feet first, so it's fine. Yeah, it'll be fine. Yeah, I was at bunk beds when I was a kid, and we didn't have rails back in the, I guess, 70s. Wow, I'm old. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't invented yet. I know. Well, it just wasn't a thing because, you know, not enough kids had crack their heads open but we had our dresser was at the i think you mostly break collarbones well not if you have a dresser that's also like at the head of the bed so if i were to (laughs) fall out of the top of the bed most of my body would hit the floor except for my head would have just landed on the dresser so i never fell out of bed because i was always completely aware of that particular thing so i would hug the other side which was against the wall also how often do people fall out of beds in general um, I think I mean, kids like, do it kind of all the time. I mean, yeah. I mean, and then you're a kid when like, when you're like really little, little. I think I fell out of bed maybe like twice in my life when I was I don't know like three or four. But that's beyond beyond that. Like 
I'd never fallen out of bed before. Yeah, I don't really remember falling out of bed, so. I always, I still have the sensation of falling out of bed, but I think everyone has that. Or just falling well in bed. Yeah, it's more like you trip. I always feel like I have a dream where I'm tripping, and then I do like that, like, startle <laughs> jerk awake yeah. thing. Yeah. It's supposed to go away after, like, four months. It doesn't. <laughs> All right, so that's our podcast, Baby Talk. And now on... <laughs> Tabletop baby talk. <laughs> Tabletop baby talk. Okay, let's talk about board games, card games, and well, I threw in lifestyle games here too, because I think this sort of all plays together. Uh, what do you guys think about this? Like, just as a general, and, and we've talked about Cult of the New, Cult of the Old. We're not really talking about that. But I've come to a point where I found a game that if I have to choose a game I want to play, and I, I'm getting a bunch of Kickstarter games in, right? So I have at least two dozen games I've never touched. And I have one game I've played a lot. And every time I look at one of these two dozen games I've never touched, I'd rather go play this one game that I'm playing a lot. Are you guys, have you been in that situation? Like, is this a phase I'm going through? Or should I just like sell all my games and only keep Keyforge? I mean, that one game I play a lot. <laughs> It just means that you like the one game. There's nothing wrong with that. Are you sure? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Unless it's causing problems in other parts of your life. <laughs> well, I have a whole bunch of unplayed games, so that's... Is that a problem? It might be. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I have a messy game room now because I haven't been able to categorize any of these games. I mean, the problem probably stemmed from me buying all these games in the first place. That's what I was going to say. It's not a problem about playing the games. It's a problem about buying games. And that's a different episode. So I don't know if we want to focus necessarily on you. Because I don't think this is a specific to you thing. Not specific. But I, I do. I have an example of it. So what? what is okay. your feeling on this? I mean, I feel like so we're talking about kind of like two extremes of like, you know, there's the the person who wants to play one game, 500 games, or the person who wants to play, that didn't make sense, one game, 500 times. Or there's the other person who wants to play 500 games one time, right? So, sort of. Now, I didn't want to make it just like one or the other, because I don't think that's a practical thing. It's it's a fun theoretical exercise, fun in air quotes. But this is really... <laughs> The small number of games a lot of times, or the lot of games a small number of times, in a, in a more of a realistic balance. Yeah, because I feel like where I fall is more like, you know, I have, you know, 15 games that I want to play, however many times that goes into 500. <laughs> uh, you should have picked 10 Math. games, and then it would have been 50. So we'll say about it, 35. 33. No, because I feel like 10 yeah. games is, like, there's more than 10, but it's less than 20. Is like where I kind of, you know, that's, those are the games I have on my shelf that have stayed there for a while that I actually pull out and play either with my family or with Spencer. You know, I've got different player numbers and counts and all kinds of stuff that I've like filled my library. And there's stuff that comes in and then filters out and, you know, sometimes things get replaced. But most of the time I'm playing, you know, I, I think I fall more on the I play fewer games more times. Um, and I think that's because I don't like spending money. <laughs> if you had a lot more games, well, even when you were doing the Kickstarter, you're doing like once a week. Were you playing mm -hmm. those games as soon as you got them in? Were you, did you make sure they got to the table to try them out? Or were they just piling up? They were just piling up. 
Um, I found with Kickstarter, you know, we were doing the Kickstarter edition podcast and you would find these and you would see like, this looks so much better than everything else on Kickstarter today. And then later I would realize that doesn't mean it's good. (laughs) Um, And I really, you know, I filled up my collection with a lot of games and now I'm much more selective in what I bring into my house. Um, and part of my I don't want to spend money thing is because I spent too much money doing that for like one year. I spent so much money on board games and I know that you spent even more. So it's crazy how much you can really invest in this hobby. Yeah, I'm trying to wean myself off and it's working because as I get more and more of these Kickstarters and especially the big games last year, apparently I just was backing games that would always ship in three or four boxes because why not? And now I'm like, I don't even take them out of the the packing boxes because I'm like, I don't know where I would put this. At least now they're in a, in boxes. So I could, when I move next in 20 years, I can, I don't have to pack them up, but yeah, I don't, it's, it's become a problem because there is one game I really like playing. I have one person that I can play games with all the time, which happens to be Sydney, and she really likes this game too. So anytime that we want to play a game, I can this this is the thought process that happens. It's like, well, we could play Keyforge and we could each grab a new deck that we've never played before, so it's still a, a new experience and we we can play three or four games in an hour and a half or 2 hours or so. Or we can learn one of these other games that is in one or more boxes. Currently, I think I have like eight games that are in two to eight boxes. And we're going to have to set it up, learn how to play, maybe get a few turns in before we need to go to bed. And, you know, that's that's the extent of it. And maybe we go back to it and play it again later, but probably not because we have all these other games that we need to figure out as well. So just this overwhelming number of games is making me not want to play any of them and just go back to the game that I know I like playing. It's like you have experiencing dread. Like, uh, (laughs) I don't want to have to teach myself how to play this new game. I like this game and I already know how to play it. But I would say, you know, it's not, you don't just play Keyforge. Like, you know, this is, maybe you're making this example, but you play Betrayal Legacy when you hang out with me and Spencer. If we finished Betrayal Legacy ever. Maybe we would still pull that out, or maybe we would play Wingspan, or... Go back to um, Pandemic Legacy Season 2. Pandemic Legacy Season 2, which we never finished, because Josh fell off the face of the earth, and it's hard to pin him down for more than half an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What else do we have? There's also, like, you and Sydney, I know you play, um, what is it, Star Wars Rebellion? Not since Keyforge, because it's too big of a game, although we do love it. And I'll never get rid of it. I should just set it up one day and then we can start playing it. That that would be a great... I would I should do that. Um, and you guys also... I know you've been doing Arkham Horror Living Card Game. So, And that's another one I really, really enjoy. But I haven't been playing it much because I normally play that with Sydney. And again, if we're going to set something up, Keyforge is so much easier. Now, we are bringing Arkham Horror on the cruise. And... The four of us that are going have all, like, we're building our decks, so we're going to bring pre-made decks, well, pre-built decks, and we're going to play standalone scenarios so we don't have to commit to an entire campaign, and I'm really, really looking forward to it. And I think the reason we're doing that is for the same reason we played Betrayal Legacy when we were over at your place, is because there's four of us, and although we could play Keyforge, we're splitting out into groups of two. 
So maybe the issue isn't so much playing one game a lot, or it's having a game that is more convenient to play than any other game. Because the people that you're around a lot, those people prefer this particular game. I will say that Keyforge is like a super convenient game too. You can have, I have, um, I think it's a box that's made for Magic the Gathering. So it's a bigger deck box that holds one deck of a Keyforge deck. It holds all of my pieces, my metal keys, and a few extra sleeves and stuff. And I can just have that and play. That's all I need. I don't need to have, like, I can open up my box of pieces and I don't have to you know, spread them out on the table and sort them because they're all ready to go. Everything's ready. It's super easy. And everything else requires setup. So it's, I don't know that it's a fault of anything else, but it's an ease of Keyforge is just a super simple, straightforward, easy to play game. And, you know, that's, I think, what they were going for with the design and marketing of this is yeah. that's its appeal. Although I will ask you, do you play more often Keyforge or Wingspan? I play Wingspan more often because Spencer does not enjoy playing Keyforge very much. So that kind of goes back to the the game that you play the most is the game, is the game that, that is that people the, around you enjoy. Yeah. Cause for me, having Keyforge easy and ready to play, that's fine, because I also have a built-in person that will play it with me at any point. Built to play Wingspan... <laughs> she, she grows out of me. split personality? You just, like... It's built in. Well, there was one point where I would literally play against myself. So I'm my own yeah, best friend. That, yeah, <laughs> I am my own best friend. But to play something like Wingspan, she's not interested in doing that. So we just... We don't play that. In fact, there's not a board game... A multiplayer board game, well, multiplayer being you know uh, more than two players, that we have played consistently, I think, really ever for any real length of time. We had some friends that we played Arcadia Quest with, so we played a couple campaigns of that. So that was kind of like a burst of it. But there's nobody that we have where it's like, every time we see them, we're going to play this game or that game. And... Uh, I don't know. I guess maybe that's why I started thinking about this because I'm like, I have all these games. I'm just not playing them. Is it really just because I can't find people to play with? Or is it because I am enjoying the game I know or games? There's, there's a handful of games that would fall into this. And I just don't want to learn anything new. Have I burnt myself out on learning new games? I think you finally burnt out on learning new games. No, there'll be another game that comes around that you'll be like, I definitely want to learn how to play this. But right now, you're just consumed with Keyforge. That's true. Yes, but I think it's it's a part of, um, like, there was this, because I kind of feel this, is like there were all these kinds of games out there, and they're all different, and there's something unique about them, there's something interesting, and I wanted to read about them and see them and play them and have them. And... Once I got to a certain point, and I think this happened to me a lot faster because the kinds of games I enjoy and I'm drawn to are a lot um, simpler than the ones that Chris enjoys. So it felt like after a while, well, I've kind of seen this. Yeah, I might have a little twist, but I've kind of seen this already. I know what this is going to be like. And I would pass on things unless they looked really special. And that's kind of where I've gotten to now is I don't buy every card game that I see, you know, it's like, oh, this one's a programming game. That's so cool. And oh, this one's a um, small deck 
trick-taking game so you can play with two players or whatever it is. You know, I, I've kind of got a lot of niches filled in my collection, so they don't jump out as much as they used to. Yeah, I will say I've seen a number of Kickstarters lately where I'm like, old Chris would have already backed this. New Chris is looking at it and being like, oh, 150 miniatures. I don't need this. I don't need this. <laughs> I don't want Are it. Are you okay? No, I'm not. This is my this is this is why I'm doing this episode because I need therapy. <sighs> I need to get back to the old Chris. You don't need those min no, you've never <laughs> needed the miniatures. And that's what I've been saying for a long time. Is like I don't like these Kickstarters that are like, check out all of the bits that we've packed into this box. Like, they're, they're playing so hard on FOMO. They're trying so hard to be like, look at all the value you're getting. But really, they're just adding a bunch of razzle-dazzle to a kind of straightforward game I've seen before. Yeah. I like the razzle-dazzle. I like the miniatures. But where I will agree with you is there are there's they're too close to each other. I don't necessarily need another campaign story driven adventure game. I've had that. I've played it. And yes, it's a new storyline, but the truth is I don't usually play board games for the storyline. I play them for the mechanics and the discovery of those mechanics and those types of things. So where story is fine, that's not enough to get me to buy a new game. That, I mean, if it already has something else, if I have Gloomhaven, why do I need the next hot story game? I've already played a 100 plus hours of a story game with character development. And this new world is not that compelling where I'm like, oh, this is so cool and so different. That's the thing. But occasionally something will pop up that you're like, wow, this is really new and different and compelling. I will say there is one game that I'm looking at right now. Website is open. I am excited for this game, despite the IP, because I'm not a super huge fan of this particular IP. And that is it's Ooh, another. Drop it in the show notes. I promise I won't tell our listeners, but I want to know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, I'm going to talk about it right now. It's a new game okay. from FFG, uh, which should be coming out in the next month or two, I believe. And it is called Marvel Champions, the card game. This is a living card game, but it is a basically standalone scenario game so and it's cooperative but the way that they've packaged this makes it something that i think is going to be easy to get into and more than anything that's what i want is something that's easy to get into very little you know there's no collecting well there's some collecting it's a living card game but as far as building decks every deck that comes with this game is a pre-made deck you just pull out of the package and you can play it it's not a unique deck. You can customize these decks, but as they're given to you, they're ready to play. And at that point, you can decide, oh, I'm going to customize this or I'm going to swap out these cards. The way the scenarios are you know, created and switched out and all of that, all of that stuff seems really, really compelling to me. So this game I'm excited about, and I'm, I've been looking at it for, I don't know, probably two months now since, I think since uh, Gen Con. Has it been two months Yeah, almost? they definitely announced it at Gen Con. Yeah. Yep. And every time I look at it, I'm more and more interested in this game. So I'm looking forward to this. It's a $60 entry fee, which is fine. That's typical for one of these games. And if I like it, I can buy a pack a month, which is gets into that whole, okay, I like to have new things introduced. But it feels like it's not going to be overwhelming. Also, I can play it solo. So even if Sydney doesn't like it, because she's not crazy about co-op games, I can still play it solo. I will tell you that this is 
what I hear from you at the beginning of every living card game you start. It's like, oh, this one is so different. This one's so simple. This one's so streamlined. This one won't take the ongoing investment too far. But I like them all. That's fine. <laughs> Just, you know, you can't I, trick me anymore. You can't fool me. <laughs> I did not like the Five Rings LCG. That one that one fell flat with me. I've never been able to get into the Lord of Ring Lord of the Rings LCG. Um Game of Thrones has its own pros and cons. I collect it mostly for the collecting purposes. Although I enjoy playing the game, I will probably never play the game again. Um, just because it has the deck building aspect of it that's too much work. Um, Arkham Horror I still truly enjoy. And I've been making decks over the past, over this weekend. And I'm like, oh, I actually like doing this. I don't know how these decks are going to play. They might be horrible. But I actually, they're, they're only 30 cards. So it's actually kind of fun to to build those decks and kind of play around with them. Um, but uh, none of the games are downstairs. I have any interest in opening up and taking a look. And I have some great ones, like some games that if I was to look at them online, I'd be like, oh man, I really want to play this. I just want to hire someone. I want to do what we did last, what we talked about last week. I want to hire someone to teach me how to play this game. I want to go into a store. You teach me how to play it. You run it. And I'll just make the player decisions. I won't have to play the board. That's what I want. I will pay $5 an hour for that. If anyone wants to come to my house and be paid $5 an hour to teach me games, I will accept all applications. Five bucks an hour seems a little low. (laughs) I was going to say, that doesn't even begin to cover childcare, so not going to (laughs) happen. Fine. See, this is why I need my local game store to do this for me. What about you, Fletcher? When you're doing $5 a head at a table with, you know, 10 people or whatever, it's different. No, I guess you do need the... Multiple people to give you $5 an hour. Fine. Yeah. (laughs) (sighs) What about you, Fletcher? How, like, are you an all for one or one for lots? Um, Probably stick with the one game that I like to play. Because in my case, it's harder to find people that want to play games that are close to me. So finding one that's easy to play, that people want to play over and over again, is better than, like, like gather round children let's learn a new board game and everybody's like <laughs> bored before you even like I know you see their the faces like glaze over exactly so nobody wants to learn the rule book and i don't particularly feel like you know learning it all by myself and then having to like teach it all to like other people i want everybody to come prepared but that's not going to happen so i feel like for me also it's more like a space thing for me too where like i have no space where i live so Having 500 games is just not going to work. It, it doesn't work for... It, you, even if you have all the space in the world, it still doesn't work. Because at some point, the games do not become things you're going to play. They simply become pieces of wallpaper. Or worse, they're just like statues on your floor as you stack them up. And you have this weird modern <laughs> <Yeah>, art. Stalag- <laughs> stalagmites growing <laughs> from your floor. <laughs> That's that's essentially what it is. He does have board game stalagmites, yes. That is exactly what his (laughs) game room looks like. You're turning into a cave where stalagmites are forming. Well, it's actually more like the crustaceans. To the ceiling, too. It's it's like the crustaceans on a boat. Like, as. Because now my game table. Barnacles. Barnacles, that's what it is. Because now my table is just covered in them as well. And I'm like, I need to go in there with a chisel and just get rid of all these games that have taken over and made the. The space in general is unusable because there are too many games in there. Chris, and it's stop depressing. buying games. I have. This is all stuff I bought over a year ago. 
<laughs> the problems with That's Kickstarter. That's the problem with Kickstarter. It's such a problem with Kickstarter is you stop and the games just keep coming and you're like, well, <laughs> I might as well start again. <laughs> it keeps coming. They just coming. keep coming. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just buy more. And then, you know, they slow down. And you're like, oh, good. This seems reasonable. And then the ones that you started buying again start coming in. And you're like, ah, what have I done? So we should do an episode on Waves. kicking the Kickstarter habit because... I feel like we've done this eight times. No, this no, is no, like no. We have not done eight hundred times. <laughs> we've not done getting out of Kickstarter because I'm actually to a point where I think that Kickstarter, although it's a great thing for the industry, I'm not discouraging anyone from using it. But if you use it too much, I think that it can be detrimental to the individual. As I'm an example of, like it, it truly is delayed burnout where you're excited when you back it, you get it a year or plus later and you're like, I don't know why I was excited for this. Now all I have to do is deal with what I've done. (laughs) Now I just have to deal with my consequences. (laughs) Exactly. And if there's a Kickstarter game, that's amazing. It's going to get reprinted. We've seen that in a number of different situations. You suffer from like retail therapy addiction where it's like, Uh, I want to buy this. It makes me feel good. And then you get it and you're like, why did I buy this? Well, yeah, that, that we have covered. Okay. We changed the episode name a little bit, but basically it was that. I think it was... It was about Chris's shopping addiction. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that was two years ago, January. That's when that was episode... Was it really two years ago? Wow. Yeah, because this January, we brought Fletcher in. The previous January is when we did the the trifecta episodes. Yeah. Table flippers, AP, and, and Chris needs to stop buying games. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, good times, good times. Memories. So back to our topic... I think we're sort of talking about that topic. <laughs> and and again, it's, I, I don't know if this is, this isn't really cult of the new cult of the old, because if we we're doing it that way, like, yes, I have been cult of the new for quite some time. I see a new shiny game. I want it. Cult of the old. Oh, I already have that game. I've already played it. But I think maybe it is because I'm changing into more of a cult of the old type of person. I still have this want to try the new shiny, but I'm also totally fine saying, you know, this handful of games I'm comfortable with. I could just pull it out and play it and I'd be happy. Turning I am so like I am. that you're, I just have this handful of games that I can turn to that I know. It's not like Carcassonne or Catan or like any of these tried and true Splendor, whatever game it is that, you know, it's always consistent. People will buy them. You can always find it. It's not those. It's these games where like, oh, I can just keep buying stuff over and over and over again. And I don't have to take a risk on new games, but I still get to scratch that itch of like, oh, I can always go buy a new Keyforge deck. Yes. Well, that's my compromise. And it's it's not a bad compromise because if you actually stop buying all the Kickstarter hotness, 800 miniatures, you know, crazy games, and you really focus on, you know, buying the things that you'll actually play... I don't know if you'll actually save any money, but you won't feel like you've wasted money. I will have to save money. Because let's say, for example, so Keyforge and Arkham Horror. I buy an excessive amount of those every month. So much of those things. Yes. Yes. But if I only bought those. Cases. (laughs) (laughs) Quiet. Um, (laughs) But if I only bought those and I didn't spend like the two or three hundred dollars on the new latest fancy Kickstarter, I'm still saving money, you know, because with Arkham Horror, it's fifteen dollars a month. 
um, with this Marvel card game, which I will, I've already pre-ordered the first four months worth of stuff because it was announced. It's again, it's $15 <laughs> a month. So it's, it's a reasonable amount, amount where I can get that, you know, scratch that itch, but not be like breaking into hundreds of dollars on a new game that I don't know I'll ever play. Because that's really my problem is spending too much money on something and not enjoying it. Like that's where I, that, that line needs to get drawn. And this is really for everyone, everyone who's listening to my voice. I've had, I've seen many emails come in where talking about how I buy a lot of games and admittedly I do. And I've, we've had, you know, questions about, you know, what do I do in my day life where I can actually afford to buy all these games? And the truth is nothing else, but buy games. Um, that's where all my disposable income goes to. Not since I've had a kid, though. So that's why I've kind of weaned that down. <laughs> but Kids take all of your time and money. It really slows down everything you do. It does. It does. Which is also another reason why Keyforge is so easy. Because we can just play it and... It, Call time at 35 minutes, whoever the last player's <laughs> turn was. Yep, that's the winner. Um, but what I'm trying to say is don't envy the people who have a ton of games. It's really not worth envying. If you have one game that you enjoy playing or a small handful of games that you enjoy playing, that is more valuable than anything I have bought in the last four years since we've been doing this podcast. I wish that I had gone back and like taken some clips. I could do some <laughs> editing maybe and like just put in like past Chris to new Chris. Like it's you could talk to yourself, really. It's a journey. It is a journey. <laughs> Don't envy and Chris. How... Do you want stalagmites in your house? Do you want barnacles <laughs> growing on your furniture? No, it's its own type of hell. <laughs> True stories. How many years have we been doing this podcast now? Four years. Four years wow and you know things so much has changed so much has changed in those four years not just how you buy games but finally how you buy games has <laughs> really changed i'm very impressed i never thought i'd see the day well the first few dozen episodes i there was a segment where i would just be like these are the games i bought this week and and it was like three or four games every yeah. week yeah and then it went to Kickstarter, and these are the games I backed this week. And then it got worse, and now I'm getting past all of that. I mean, in four... Honestly, it? I think you bought everything. You just bought it all. I you did. had to buy like a backlog of like 15 years worth of games to yeah. know. Yep. I'm, now you're caught up. <laughs> I'm, I'm going through it so the rest of you don't have to. It isn't necessary. <laughs> How noble. I know, right? <laughs> I'm just saying it truly isn't necessary. Playing a few games, those are that's where I find my fun. It's like these games, I like playing them. And I can get people to repeat play. Even non-gamers, I can get them to play the same game multiple times. You know, if I pull out Gizmos or Sentry Golem Edition, um, like I have friends who will of play course. those. Of course. I will, they will play those with me every single time I pull them out, and I truly enjoy them. Um, I don't think Sydney enjoys them as much as I do, but I really like those games. And I don't need like super complicated stuff because I don't need the time and energy that it takes to teach that. And then watch my friends who were excited about playing a game, like the light dies in their eyes the more I read the rules. And that's not fun. That's not fun. Man, so this is a depressing I'm episode. I'm really excited. 
because what this really means is the next time at your house, I'm going to leave with all of your unopened Sherlock Holmes consulting detective games. Yes. You haven't already? I think I have managed to sneak out a few, but not all of them. Oh, they are all yours. Actually, I have a couple other detective games, too, that... Now, I did just get one that is going to become a staple in my collection. And I'm almost positive of this because it came, I opened it, I read the rules, I've gone through the things. It's just a box of cards. It's called Awkward Guests. And <laughs> it is... I clue- remember hearing about this one. Oh, it's so... Like, it seems so compelling. We're also bringing it on the ship. But it's it's essentially Clue in card form. And you're not moving around a board, but there is a mansion and you're trying to figure out the path the murderer took, what weapon they used, what the, what was their motive. And there's like an infinite number of cases, but not infinite number, but a very, very large number of cases, hundreds of cases. And you build it by just choosing the, the case will tell you, take these 70 cards and then ready, go. And there's some card play and one person's asking for information about something and everyone's offering up cards and each card has a particular information value and you're trying to trade like values, et cetera. There's, there's gameplay in there, but it's really just kind of like a puzzly whodunit in clue form. And it's really easy to learn and it just looks so compelling. And I'm just, I'm excited about this one because I, lo- I love clues. One was one of my favorite games as a kid. It's just not something I translated well as an adult. And this, I think, fixes all of that. Honestly, yeah, it's just the roll and move aspect of it because um, I've really enjoyed a few kind of similar deductive games where you're trying to figure out what everyone else has in their hand to figure out what's missing. And um, Herbalism is like this. And I really loved that game and no one will ever play it with me because no one else, like, I don't know if I just grokked those rules and everyone else was like, wait, what? Wait, what happened? <laughs> like, now everyone won't play with me because I'm too good? I don't know, but... You are too good for us. Me. We can't play with you. Just that one game. <laughs> I don't know. I liked it a lot, and no one will play with me, and it makes me sad. But there are... There's something, you know, we have to find a balance, because you can't find something like Awkward Guest if you're not ever buying games. It's just... you. You learn to be more selective. You learn to find what you're actually looking for, what you think you can play, what you want instead of what you think you need. So you've been saying some really um, insightful things lately in the past few episodes, and I like that one. I can't find awkward guests unless I keep buying games. So (laughs) I must keep buying games. Sydney's going to text me again. I got a text about... (laughs) super backer status she's like why did you tell him it goes away <sighs> i didn't mean to <laughs> no you i just think... have to be selective in what you buy is what i'm trying to say yes i agree and and that's sort of what had me talking about reviews a few weeks ago too is instead of buying a game teaching yourself playing it and deciding whether or not you like it just listen to the reviewers watch a game be played and then decide whether or not it's something that you think you would like. And at that at that point, because really what that that review should do or those watch it plays should do is say, this is definitely not something that I would see myself playing on a regular basis. So I'm going to rule it out. If someone was to teach it or have it, I would play it, but I'm not going to go out and bid it myself. On the other hand, this is a game I think I'd be really interested in. That's something that maybe you go out and you pick up because you've seen it played, you know the rules. 
you're like, yes, I can see myself playing this. And if it falls flat when you actually play it, as some games do, fine. But you're not you're not wasting a lot of money on games that you know will fall flat because you've done your due diligence and you've done your research. Yeah, I'm not doing research anymore. For no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not doing other people's research anymore. I have to stop doing that. Especially since we never really did reviews. We talk about games a lot, but we don't really review. I know. Do you believe that part of the reason I started this podcast is like, oh, people might send me free games. And then I discovered that I really hate talking about specific games. I'm like, no one's ever going to send me free games because I just do not like talking about specific games. I like having general knowledge, but I don't like the details of one game because people expect you to know too much about it. And that just takes way too much time, more more time than I can do. Also, yep. you just buy all the games anyway. I, I did. I did. All right, I've bought a couple other games recently, but I really plan on playing it. So I bought Spirit Island because that was at the game store, and it's a really hard game to find. So I bought that. Oh, you and your FOMO. That's really your biggest problem still, is you have such bad fear of missing out. <laughs> you have such bad fear of missing out that you, when you see a thing, it's rare. I can't get it if I don't get it right now. Like, that's where so many of your buying habits stem from. Huh. You can always get it later. I can. I should have. I'm fine, fine. I need to stop Although buying. I have heard really good things about Spirit Island. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to play it. I almost backed that on Kickstarter. It is another one that's coming on the ship with us. So I will let you know on the other side how it is. Um, hopefully it's good. And uh, it's just, it's another co-op that I have. So I don't need a whole bunch of co-ops i guess like uh, i don't know all right what are we what am i deciding what are i don't i don't even know what we're talking about anymore (laughs) i don't know i think you're just lying down on your couch while me and fletcher take notes and ask you how you feel yeah how does that make you feel chris how does that make you feel Uh, why can't i just be a normal game player have some games play them Every once in a while, see a new game and say, I don't think there's such a thing as a normal game player. Because, you know, over the four years we've been doing this, we've gotten so many emails from so many different kinds of people who are like, I don't have anyone to play with, but I keep buying games because I think maybe I will have somebody to play with and then I'll have the game ready. And the person is like, I have four games and that's all I've ever needed. And why would I ever buy new games? And everything in between. There is no normal gamer. None of us are normal. We're all delightfully abnormal. <laughs> all right. Delightfully abnormal. I like it. I'll take it. That's how I label myself. <laughs> I I label you part of that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll assume I'm delightful. Sure. That is a great assumption. All right. I'm excellent at hearing what I enjoy hearing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So playing games. If you're a cult of the new, play some games more than once. Or just make sure you're having fun buying and playing a bunch of new games. If you're Cult of the New and don't buy games, even better. If you're Cult of the Old, then don't let anyone tell you that you got to play the newest, greatest game. But also don't keep your mind closed off because, you know, new games are could be your new awkward guest. Who knows? That that actually works out as a in this context. So you you have to, I don't know, I think you just kind of have to be someplace in that middle. That's why I didn't want to go the extreme, because it's really easy to say, would you rather play what one Chris game infinitely? Do what makes you happy. No, no, no. Sort of. What an, yes. 
But <laughs> so you're saying don't do what makes you happy. I'm saying make sure what you're doing that you think makes you happy is actually making you happy. That's heavy. Yeah, if you are buying things and then later feeling anxious because you have so many things, is that really serving you? Yes. You should not. But also, if you're buying things and looking at them being like, yes, look at my beautiful horde. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> like a dragon. If you're a dragon, <laughs> you know, live that dragon life. That's fine. Yeah, you're creating a cave already. You're just going to turn into a dragon, Chris. <laughs> if you're a dragon, live that dragon life. I, I'm I, very tired. I, no, that's, that is you're awesome. You're welcome for these gems, everyone. I'm actually going to change the title of this episode to live that dragon life. <laughs> Because, so a little peek behind the curtain, we record, we pick the names of the episodes, well, I pick the name of the episode, and the blurb way before we talk about anything. So oftentimes we talk about what we say we're going to talk about. Sometimes we go off the rails like this episode. So I'm not going to make Kitty re-record the intro, but I can change the title. And then people are going to be like, huh? Living that dragon life? What does that mean? So. And it's going to take them like 40 minutes to get to it. <laughs> But for those congratulations, who, you made it. You made it. <laughs> now you know. Oh <laughs> uh, yes. Well, I'll put a little thing in the description saying, "Hey, you have to listen for forty minutes before the title makes sense." And then for those who've actually, it still doesn't make any sense, but I do like it. Okay, let's do this. It is Monday night. This podcast is going to be posted in about two and a half hours, and these are about as close to live as we get. We have a couple listener mails here. Um, over the next couple days, starting not Wednesday, because Wednesday's your last day, but on Thursday, we are going to pick our favorite memorable moments. And at that point, we're then going to record next week's podcast a day later. So we have a lot to do this week. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun because I've I've read some of these moments and there, we have a bunch of them and there's some really good ones. So I know I've been seeing them roll in. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. So I don't mean fun in a bad way. I mean it's actually going to be fun. Uh, we've never oh, done an episode some like really this before. Really good ones. I'm yeah. excited. So we're looking forward to that. So let's jump to some listener mail. Let's wrap up this dragon lifestyle of ours and <laughs> and we'll this one will be a little bit short, not too short, but a little bit short and. Yeah, we'll be back next week. Next week's could go a little longer. Maybe. I say that all the time, and then it never does. But there's going to be some really cool stuff. It'll be a lot of reading. Fletcher's going to practice ahead of time. Speaking of reading. All right. Who's reading this? Um, Why don't you read this one? Okay. From Tim on Game Cafes. I can't buy a whole bunch of new games like Chris. He doesn't anymore. No, well, I'm done. It's- welcome to this episode. <laughs> However, I still want to experience all sorts of games I haven't played. Within a five-minute drive of our house, there's a game cafe called Game House in LA. They charge $5 per person, $7.50 on the weekends, to play games as long as you want. They also sell reasonably priced food. So on occasion, we will spend a long spend a day or a long evening at the cafe playing an average of four to five games. To me, this is a huge value. Any one of these games would cost at least 30 to $50 to take up space on my shelves and probably never get played again. Instead, I can experience a bunch of games and have a fun day for about the cost of a Starbucks run. I'm wondering if you're 
mainly Kitty. Strong disdain for a table cover charge is a regional thing. Here in LA, the idea of paying a few bucks for a table at a game cafe feels like the best deal around. You guys keep saying you play less games together because now you live so far away from each other. My first suggestion is to forget the suburbs and move back to the city. If that doesn't work, (laughs) you could meet in the middle at a game cafe that offers a table for a few bucks, which you would already spend on the gas. So, several things to address here. First of all, my disdain for a table cover charge is if they are making money on their food, why am I paying them a table cover charge, especially a table cover charge that doesn't seem that expensive? It just seems like they're double dipping. They're taking off both ends. I don't know. It makes me annoyed. It might be a Midwestern thing. I fully accept that. I'm super Midwestern. The only <laughs> time you should be paying a cover charge is if there's a live band. <laughs> That's it. I'm sorry. I I will say that the $5 flat cover for as long as you want does seem kind of unnecessary. To me, if someone's serving food, turnover is important. You don't want someone who comes in, orders a meal, and then sits there for six hours. I don't think so, they serve food. I think they just... They do. They do. No. Most of these game cafes, they serve food they serve and food. drinks. Mm-hmm, okay. Yep. Well, so if they can't turn that over, they're not making money on the food unless you continue to buy. But even then, you're, what, buying two meals in six hours? I don't know. I think they make almost all their money on drinks because that's how every restaurant works is that's where the money is and you will keep drinking. Yeah. Well, Tim did mention that they have alcohol at this particular game cafe as well. So if that's the case, I like the idea of it's basically like an X number of dollars per hour minimum. But if you actually buy it in food and beverages, then that's just taking off. So but if you're just sitting there. Then it's- See, that's why I like there's a minimum purchase. Like, you know, you have to buy a drink and a dish to sit and play games for four hours. I don't know. Yeah, it's so it, tricky. I'm sure it's a Midwestern thing. All right. I so accept that. In moving back to the city. Yeah, there's just not um, enough space in the city. Fletcher's mentioned, <laughs> yeah, like, he has no space. space. <laughs> yeah. Uh LA, I think, is a very different city than Chicago. Chicago, there is not, you cannot get a yard that you can put your dog in without having to take them for like a long walk or hire a dog walker. You can't have a backyard with a swing set. You have to walk to the park. It's without just spending so like much less convenient. A million and a half dollars on a place. Yeah. Without spending a million and a half dollars, more like five million dollars. Let's be rid- like, seriously yeah. well if you want like, you want a, it in a nice neighborhood if you want a suburban <laughs> yard yeah but like our two and a half bedroom apartments they were and they were not in a coveted part of town at all but they were still like two hundred fifty thousand. no grass on our property yeah so. no grass we put in maybe like a posted size tiny patch of grass it, that you weren't allowed to talk or walk on because you it, would Ruin you would the break sod it because there's yeah. no real ground underneath it because it was yeah it would wash away if it rained too hard <laughs> and no. now i love the suburbs and you will never uh, that is a hill i will die upon i love minivans in the suburbs uh, and chris just uh, moved to the wrong suburb uh, wait till you have a toddler uh, i will say suburbs. i enjoyed most of my time in the city it took me a little while to get into yes. it and i was but i was fine leaving it but yeah, if you I loved the city until I didn't. <laughs> yeah. And as far as like meeting in the middle, that's also really tricky because I think that's O'Hare. The middle is like, yeah, O'Hare or like kind of like it me. is definitely O'Hare. Yeah. Because I think O'Hare is like 45 minutes from all of us. Like we could go there. 
No, O'Hare is like 15 minutes from Fletcher. If Unless we're making it like 15. arbitrarily long. No, no, no. No, it's not 45 minutes away from me. It's like 30 minutes it's, away. Yeah. I guess. It's a 15-minute train ride, but you've got like 10 minutes of walking. No, no, no. It's, no, it's a I bit got, more I got a 15-minute bus ride and then a 15-minute train ride. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, whatever the case. Mm. When O'Hare I don't have a up- car, so that's the other thing, too, is I live yeah. in the city, so I don't have a car. I don't need a car. Yep. But yeah, so that's when they open up a gamer's cafe in O'Hare, we will meet up and do that. Yeah, because I can't think of any like real game cafes in the city of Chicago. No. There's so a few restaurants that we could stores. go to in Roselle. When we do meet up, you know, it's Roselle's usually... not that far from the middle of us. Yeah. Roselle? It's not that far from in between me and Chris. Yeah. I don't yeah, even know you, where that is. It's, it's the stop before O'Hare. So if you're oh, in Chicago, Rose, this all makes real sense no, to you. No, it's not. Chris is confusing two places. Roselle is further west, more like Oh, Elgin. I'm sorry. I was thinking Rosemont. Yes, you're right. You're right. You're right. But anyway, there is a whole rest of the world that has no clue what we're talking about. So, but I do <laughs> I do like that idea. We should actually check out Rosemont and see if there's a easy way to meet there. But also... Usually when we meet, we just all meet at Chris's house. And I just take the, I just take the metro all the way up there. Yeah, well, and sometimes then we... we'll pick you up at O'Hare. That's <laughs> yeah. on our way. Yeah, if you're yeah, if you're going to, you'll pick me up. Yeah, but having two small children is also a little bit challenging. So it, it is sort of helpful to have a house to go to. But even then, if we don't have babysitters, we're not playing games because we got one game in over like a six-hour period between two children's nap, eating, and. Just general rampaging. <laughs> yeah, we were doing pretty good. All right, one yeah. more of these, and then let's end this thing. <laughs> Put us out of our misery. Let's see. Uh, Steve sent us one on legacy games. Uh, this was we mentioned legacy games in our designer and publisher episode. He says so in discussing designers and publishers, you touched on legacy games, and I wanted to add a couple of things. First, you said that Seafall is a terrible game. I picked up a copy for twenty six dollars two months ago and became be, uh, ago because so many people had that opinion, and I really enjoyed it. Most of the reviews that I've watched have all said that it's an okay game. It just didn't live up to the hype. That was the big issue. It was supposed to be the next Pandemic Season 1, and instead, it was a good game with a few problems. So I will say, when I say these things like, this is a terrible game or this is a great game, these are only in my opinion. And with Seafall, lots of other people's opinions too, but mostly in my opinion. And I'll also say that I've never actually played Seafall. I tried, and I just couldn't get past the first scenario. It just wasn't compelling enough for me, so I'm just like, I, I can't. I can't keep playing it. So I actually trust the people who have Back played it. Said- <laughs> Back to Keyforge. Uh, there was no Keyforge at the time. I would have. Uh, I don't know. Um, let's see. He also mentioned that this was the first competitive legacy game. If I did, that was completely wrong because obviously Risk Legacy came out first and was a competitive legacy game that came out before Pandemic Legacy. Um, and then he goes on to talk about the differences between the two is that. Um, when with the competitive legacy, they were trying to make everyone different at the start versus risk legacy, where everyone kind of started out the same. The board changed, but you kind of started the same way. And then even then, it was sort of you got some extra things depending on how well you did. So I, he mentioned that Seafall just tried to do too much. He also mentions Charterstone being competitive, a competitive legacy game, and how that was a problem due to balancing issues. Seafall also had balancing issues. And what I'm thinking here is I 
am wondering if there's enough topic here to talk about legacy games, competitive versus co-op, because they're very different things. And more often than not, you do see cooperative legacy games. But what makes a competitive legacy game different? Like why, where, why are those falling flat? So even Risk Legacy, which was phenomenal for its time, wasn't anywhere nearly as successful as Pandemic Legacy was. And Seafall hasn't, didn't do well. And Charterstone fell flat. And all of these are these competitive legacy games. I'm wondering, is it because they're competitive? Is Legacy really meant to be a shared storyline? Like Betrayal Legacy, I guess, is competitive. And that one did pretty well. But I don't, I don't feel like it's sort competitive. Of. It's it's sort of competitive because, you know, it all depends on the haunt. And I think that's part of its, you know, success is that sometimes you're the good guy, sometimes you're the bad guy, sometimes you're in a team, sometimes it's every man for himself. And it's the legacy aspects don't affect characters as much as they affect the game state. Right. Because your character is going to die anyway. Yeah. And yes, every player board is slightly different, but aside from your complaint that yours is the worst all the time. It is the worst all the time. If you're playing... Pan- <laughs> no one else I'm seems just, to... <laughs> I'm just saying, if you're playing Betrayal Legacy or are about to play Betrayal Legacy, do not pick the blue board. It is the worst, mathematically, in all ways, the worst board. There, I've saved a lot of We've people. We've done some no heartache. scientific. So that's testing. not in your opinion. That's an objective fact. Um, I'm pretty We've sure done the math. No testing. I'm pretty sure the math proves it. But now I'm going to have to do math. Yeah, on the games at my house, so you'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and now I don't know what I was talking about anymore. Yeah, but yeah, competitive. It just I, doesn't feel I do competitive. Think, I think it can. They lend themselves really, um, to the kind of is there a good catch up mechanic. Because if somebody gets ahead early, it can really, they stay ahead, can be a problem. And it just like amplifies that problem of like one game over a whole season. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm Whereas like- with a cooperative game, you're all working towards the same goal. So it doesn't matter if one player is getting all the good upgrades, they're using them for the team. The betterment of everyone. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to think about this. I don't know if there's enough meat there, but it is definitely something worth thinking about. That whole cooperative versus competitive thing. Also, I've did had we some do major... a whole episode on legacy games in general? We did, but there was only like four or five I at the time. Could probably garner a revisit. Yeah, yeah. We also did one on co-ops, and that one could be revisited as well. Actually, we may have revisited that twice. I keep having thoughts on that. Like it just seems like everything's cooperative these days, and I don't even dislike it. All right, so you thought we were not gonna I know. be long enough, but here we are. We can always do it. <laughs> so. All right, a reminder, tomorrow is our last day to enter our memorable gaming moments contests. So email us your moment, uh, 500 words or less, to feedback at tabletopgamecock.com. Use the subject, memorable moment, and you'll be entered in a $100 gift card drawing if we pick one of yours and we talk about it on the show. Every ones we pick and talk about on the show will be entered into that $100 gift card drawing. Everyone else, including our patrons, will be entered into a $50 gift card drawing. And so anyone can win that. And again, that deadline is tomorrow. It's feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. Subject, memorable moments. Send them in. We can't wait to see them. Uh, September 18th. Tomorrow. Wednesday, September 18th. Yes. Yes. I just assume everyone listens 
in real time uh, at the moment that it drops <laughs> at the moment it drops which this one will actually if you listen to it the moment it drops you may actually get it on monday and not even on tuesday um other than that you can follow us on facebook at tabletop game talk podcast twitter's tabletop game tlk kitty is awful good mom fletcher is net fletch i am game master chris tabletop game talk is a proud member of the dice tower network thanks for listening and remember we love your feedback so email us with comments or questions about today's topic at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com finally a huge thank you to our patrons adam harrison the sgc jason strong terrence miltner steven seitz michael ol brian arnold sean p kelly c marie rudy Liu, benjamin heimowitz joy wang stefan phillips caleb o'brien jennifer engelbrecht justin willard christopher dong jason marks jeremy fisher david redke nick quickstra david sellers jason rodney michael yanikowski miles clark cindy loom Phil Schwartzel, Ann Reynolds, Eric Huffman, Adrian Dong, Christopher Vincent, Nate, Faz Flintham, Sean Peck, Eric Silander, Mike Smith, Trevor Davis, Tim Vernig, Chris Lowe, Joe Hoover, Timothy Gross, Glenn Cotter, Jesse Wilkowiak, Emil Joel Jacobson, Marina Stevens, Brady Meltzner, Gregory Huber, Don Gilstrap, Stephen Judd, Leanne Verholst, Christopher Letko, John Lewis, Joe Radke, I'm sorry, Joe Rackstad, Ron Nelson, Neil McLaughlin, and Sarah, no, Sahara Wentworth. (laughs) Until next week, keep playing games and having fun. All right, so I'm packing for this cruise. And my biggest concern is how to fit the board games. I haven't even thought about, like, clothes to bring. You've also been sniffling a little bit. Are you getting sick? I'm... It is my son going to daycare, coming home, and getting me sick. So you're just going to infect a whole cruise ship of people with your... Chris is the reason that everyone comes home from a cruise sick. Yes. (laughs) I'm going to be fine by then. It's like a little Petri dish. Don't go on the cruise with Chris. Except it's not so little. Yeah. I'm not bringing him, though. I'm going to get better. Everyone else will be sick, but I'll be better. (laughs) Mm-hmm.